everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Lakers Explained with me, Christian Rivas, and my co-host, Harrison Fagan. Harrison, how are you doing today, sir? You know, I'm, I'm hanging in there. It's like, you know, as, uh, as you like to say, it's another day in paradise. <laughs> it's it's what i like it's like the michael scott scott wayne gretzky quote yeah exactly with me and jacob yeah um we are days away from lakers basketball returning uh and it feels kind of nuts to be talking about b- basketball again like the fact that you and i have practice reports to do and uh we're getting ready to do our basically what we do in the off season with with season previews and and game previews i am it it, it feels like home again uh if you're home we're just a non-stop basketball court uh with just un, unexpected news um but yeah in, in fewer words i am excited yeah no i mean i'm excited too i'm like i i it just seems like the most 2020 way that this could go is that something goes horribly wrong in the next couple of days and they have to cancel the season. Like yeah. it's just like, it's uh, like, I'm almost having a hard time believing that they're actually going to like do this. It's just like, it's, it's been so long since we had basketball and like, even like, even with the reality of all of them being in Orlando for the bubble, it still has not fully seemed real yet that they're actually like, I keep reminding myself, I'm like, Oh yeah, they're going to like, actually play televised basketball games on Thursday like it just it's still I don't think it's going to seem real until they actually like tip ball and I think I'm a little it's it's a little easier for me to be excited given the success the bubble has had uh keeping cases down and by down I mean none at least uh according to the test they took last week on July 13th um they announced today that of the 346 players they tested for COVID-19 on the campus since the last amount announcement on July 13th, zero have returned positive tests. That's per Chris Haynes, but I think the NBA has released a statement since. That is crazy, Harrison. Like the fact it's that it's almost are like the zero. bubble system that they <laughs> that they spent like months coming up with is kind of like not like, like kind of kind of safe. Like yeah, but I don't I don't think even the most optimistic person could have expected it to be this safe. To be honest, I kind of did just because like they had like, not because like, because they caught so many on the lead up to it that like it really so far, it seemed like the system was working. Like they were catching these tests, but either before the person got to the bubble or while they were in their quarantine in the bubble. And so like when that kept happening, I was like, I mean, it something could obviously go wrong. Like there could be a false negative or, you right. know, whatever it may be. But like, it seemed like the, the bubble was doing what it was designed to do. It was either catching people before they left or it was catching people like as soon as they got to Orlando or whatever before they really had a chance to spread it around and again like something could always go wrong but at this point it seems more likely that the reason this gets shut down is because the situation in Florida gets so bad more so than anything inside the bubble but even at that point like Disney has so much sway in the local government there that like I have a hard time believing that like it could even get to any level in Florida where the like actual like state government would be saying no you are not allowed to do this even though like you can't be taking tests away or you can't be whatever like um but you know it's florida so i don't have a lot of faith that they you know they don't really unfortunately they don't seem to care enough about their citizens to really do anything about that i think the biggest unknown quantity for me and the reason i was a little pessimistic other than the fact that i think i'm just habitually pessimistic is the fact that 
the Disney employees were the unknown quantity to me. The fact that they weren't being as tested as regularly and weren't staying on the bubble. Um, I think that was the biggest question mark for me, but at least from what we've seen and what we've heard, the contact with between NBA players and Disney uh, employees has been minimal. And the fact that masks are being required as strictly as they are, uh, I think can be something that we can all learn from and from these early results. The fact that, you know, regular, regular and, you know, readily available testing in combination with masks might actually lead to cases It's being almost down. like it's not just more testing that leads to more cases. Like, yeah. it seems like, uh, you know, if you actually have a plan, like, things can go somewhat safely. Like, it's interesting how that works, right? Who could have like, guessed? Yeah, not I mean, me. certainly not me, <laughs> you know? Like, I, I don't know. Like, it just, you know, who, like, who could have possibly known that all of the scientists saying to do exactly that like had some idea of what they were talking about. I don't know. Definitely not me. I, you know, me, I always feel like everybody's entitled to their opinions on science. Well, you know, who is a scientist anymore? Did you know Bill Nye isn't even a real scientist? <laughs> See, the world of <laughs> science, again, it, it's like the great philosopher Mac from It's Always Sunny, it, like always said, to paraphrase him, like science is a liar sometimes. Yeah. So, you know. Not, not all all opinions are facts yeah. according to rudy gobert yes as uh, as noted french philosopher rudy gobert uh once said like all, all like all facts are opinions are just opinions or something it's, like that it's been a rough week yeah um but we do have some basketball to talk about before we get to today's show which is going to be focused around the season restarting and specifically questions from all of you uh so thanks for everybody that sent in questions but uh, there were a few interesting tidbits from practice that I think we should talk about. The first being Frank Vogel's, I guess, endorsement of Kyle Kuzma and the way he's looked in practices so far, which as somebody who's covered the team for the last three seasons, I think there's always a lot of hoopla around Kyle Kuzma and I bought into it for the most part. I think I'm a little jaded given how much Kyle Kuzma was hyped up going into this season and the season he's produced. But I think Frank the hype a, is like Lucy and you're like Charlie Brown with the football right. and it keeps putting it there and then pulling it away from you. And now you're like, oh, I don't know if I should do this this time. <laughs> and I, we know regret, you're going to go run and kick at it. Right. Like, yeah. I was just going to say, I regret to inform you. It's back. I'm back. <laughs> I went for it again. Uh, so to read Vogel's quote verbatim, uh, he said he's had a couple of stretches where he's dominated on the floor and it's been really encouraging to see. He had some inconsistency with the beginning of our season because he dealt with three different injuries that really prohibited him from getting his legs under him. The shot making wasn't always there, but it's been there at a very high level during the restart. And we're very encouraged and excited about the uh, what having a real training camp or a healthy training camp could mean for him. Hopefully that leads to an increased role and gives us that boost that we're looking for. And quote, I think the point about the injuries is fair to make. Because anytime it looked like Kyle Kuzma was on the brink of figuring something out, it seems like he's had to start from square one. And obviously the first time that happened was literally before the season restarted. So he wasn't able to have a training camp, a preseason, and was kind of just playing catch up all season. And like I said, when he finally, it looked like he was starting to catch up again. He, he had a restart. So I don't know what to expect from Kuzma when he comes back. I think a lot of the stuff that he needs to work on, specifically his shooting, comes down to his mechanics more than his legs. But I do think his legs play a part in it. 
What are your thoughts on Vogel's comments, Harrison? I think you really just added some important, a lot of important context there. And I think those are all fair points that like someone who is a Kuz optimist could make. And look, like, I think Kuzma, you know, it's similar to what happened with, to KCP at the beginning of the year, right? Where like, when you're not the shiny new toy anymore, like it's yeah. easier for people to turn on you, you know, like where, like, and you're going to see that hate come out. Like, I think Kuzma got hated on a little bit more than he probably deserved this season. But you know, that's like how like fandom reactions and that's how like we all react to sports like that's why we all love it so much like it lets us be irrational and just like you know uh like fire off analysis and whatever however we want but like I I think as far as Kuzma goes like yeah I mean there's a chance that all of that stuff is true (coughs) excuse me the thing that makes me a little bit wary is that um you know I I think like it makes me a little bit worried that like Vogel feels like so desperate to plug this, you know, (laughs) like the fact that they're really trying to sell it. Like, it's not just, you know, obviously in a scrum, like he was asked about Kuzma and how he's looked, but he's gone out of his way a couple other times when the people have asked about who's impressing to talk about Kuzma today. Evidently when reporters walked in for the first time, uh, it's been, it's the first time they've been allowed to watch practice because they only just cleared quarantine in the bubble. Um, But they walked in and, you know, they all got their like cameras out and were, but you know, like it was clear that they were in there and, like, I don't know the exact context for this, but, uh, you know, Kyle Goon of the OC Register tweeted that Vogel said, and this was before their media availability, that Kuzma was 9 of 10 in their scrimmage yesterday. I have no idea what possible context would lead him to just, like, scream that out as they were scrimmaging or something like that, beyond, like, as soon as the media walked in, beyond, like, really wanting us to know that Kuzma is playing well, and maybe, you know, trying to get Kuzma feeling good about himself a little bit, too, you know, like, people, if if people give you compliments, it gives you more confidence, and so, like, I think that's good coaching on Vogel's part, it's just, I'm still a little bit skeptical, just based on how the fit has not always looked the best at times, although I thought that you made a good point when you were writing today about how the absence of Rondo may aid may like actually aid him in some ways yeah I I think that is more it than anything because it was pretty early on into the season that AD went down and Kyle Kuzma filled in that role and you know Kuzma wasn't even 100% at that time and he looked great in that role like I don't have the starters numbers pulled up right in front of me right now but I, I know he was averaging uh 20 points per game which is around what he averaged in the two previous season when he when he was a starter, uh, and I think a lot of that has to do with him just feeling comfortable with the ball in his hands and creating offense for himself. Which, as we've talked about all, all season, is the type of player the Lakers have needed in that second unit. They have a few players that can do that now, and Dion Waiters and J.R. Smith, but. The fact that they're not going to have a ball-dominant point guard in Rajon Rondo in that second unit. Uh, Alex Caruso kind of alluded to it last week, but the fact that him and Kuzma could be sharing ball-handling duties with that second unit, I think is is a real bright spot and is something that you know I, I'm at least looking forward to when the season restarts. And if you can't tell Harrison, I, I've bought into it. I'm back. We're back. No. 
<laughs> I'm excited for like what tattoo bet you're going to make about coups now. Like when, you know, we finally like bully you enough in Slack that you're like, all right, well, I'll like, I'll show you guys like the Caruso thing. So oh, if, if there's anybody that gets me there, it's going to be Anthony. Yeah, we need to like figure out a way to have the two of you host a podcast before the season gets going so that you can like, you know, be on record saying that you're going to do some other like regrettable prediction if something happens. Well, they say tattoos are addicting. And if I get one on my arm, it's just going to look empty. For you, it might just be like tattoo bets are addicting. Like you might be becoming slowly addicted to just like threatening that you're going to get a tattoo based on certain outcomes. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. I don't anticipate I will get either <laughs> just because needles scare me. But I, I think Caruso only has to score like 15 points in a no, win and that, you got to okay. get a tattoo. That like, I, you know... You you lowered the standard like you know. I did that. not lower the standard. Somebody said fifteen points, which yes, given his per game averages, would be exceeding expectations for him. It would have to like it would genuinely have to be a fifteen point triple double for me to even consider. I it. honestly don't think that we can rule that out. Like it's probably not super likely, but with their if lack of ball starting. handling. Like yeah. he, he's, he might get it. Like if he just has a really good game or like, you know, some of the bench guys are like, if Kuz is really on shooting one night, like, you know, it's possible. Okay. Moving on. Uh, LeBron James talked a bit about his MVP candidacy today. And Harrison, I think we're on the same page when we say that I don't think LeBron James is in the MVP conversation just because of his age. Like, the things he's doing this season is impressive for any player, any age, any season. Yes, absolutely. Okay, I thought for a second, the way you phrased it, I thought you meant the opposite. Like he's oh, not no. in, like because he is 35, he's not allowed <laughs> to be in it. And I was like, that is ageist. And I don't no. appreciate what you're doing there just because I'm getting closer to 35, like as <laughs> each day ticks by. Um, and so, like, yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you 100%. His, his like season is like historic and it's like he's been incredible. And as far as voters are concerned, his season is over. The yeah. 25.7 points, 10.6 assists, 7.9 rebounds, and 1.2 steals per game that he's averaged in the regular season, or at least before the season was suspended, is what voters are going to be based are going off of when they vote for MVP. No, so this is the weird thing. Evidently, your statistics can still be added to. It's just that they're only supposed to base their MVP vote on what happened yeah, beforehand. That's I'm why sure I said that's as, for contractual reasons, though. Yeah. As yeah. far as voters are concerned, though, yeah. their season is over. It's over. Like, yeah. his, his stats can still change. Um, and I noted that in the story I wrote earlier. If you want to check it out, I think it's pretty good. Um, but, no, it, it is interesting because I think the point that a lot of people were making and the reason it's even a conversation is because right before the season was suspended, LeBron looked like he was playing the best, his best basketball of the season. Like he was yeah. obviously, if there were more games played, if the rest of the season was played out, I think there was LeBron, like a quarter of it left too. Like yeah. it was a decent amount. I think LeBron would have made a stronger case for MVP than already exists right now. And to be clear, I think that case is pretty strong. And he talked about it today at practice. Um, so he said, quote, I'm not disappointed because things happen. Control what you can control, and I can't control that. As far as the MVP race, I think I've shown what I'm capable of doing, not only individually, but from a team perspective. 
us being number one in the West. There was a lot of conversations about LeBron can't do things in the East, but if he ever came to the West, what could he do? I heard all of that to be able to have uh, our team at the top of the Western Conference playing the way we were playing at the time and the way I was playing. That's definitely a good feeling. And I th- the, the note about him making a note of people saying that he can only do things in the East is the part that made me and apparently him laugh too. Yes. Yeah, I mean, like, honestly, I think that take, like, if we're ranking, like, things that LeBron has said, and that's when it became personal to me, like, that is a far more likely one than someone actually calling him washed, even though we know Anthony did. I mean, I think that there's some level of dispute of whether or not that's actually the reason he started calling himself (laughs) washed king. Uh, I choose to believe that in my head canon, but... You know, I understand not everyone else will uh, feel the same way. But I think that, it, you know, I, I feel like I've definitely heard Skip Bayless say that LeBron would not be doing this stuff in the West. So, like, I think that's, like, a real one that people, like, people have actually had that take or something close to it. Yeah. I saw somebody tweet uh, earlier this month that the fact that LeBron James has never acknowledged Skip Bayless deserves to go on his Hall of Fame resume. I don't yeah. think he has. I don't think he's addressed him at all. Not directly to my knowledge, I don't think. Like, not that I remember. You know, again, I've only been covering him, like, around two years now. So, like, yeah. it's possible that there was some moment that I forget. But I feel like I would have known about that. I think Giannis is still going to win, win MVP because I think the, yeah. like, barometer for repeat MVPs is, did this player get better from the year before? And the answer is an astounding yes. Yes. He's the best player on the best team in the NBA. Uh, so I, uh, the numbers he's putting up, I think only Wilt and Shaq have put up. So anytime you're in that category, I think you deserve. I think somebody said Heat LeBron too, which is also like a pretty high bar yeah. as well. <laughs> it is insane what he's doing. And I think he'd absolutely deserve it. But if LeBron won it, I wouldn't be mad either. You know, the, the thing that was interesting to me was, uh, like, I saw Dan Wojcicki of the LA Times today tweet that, like, Giannis's, like, statistical case, essentially the gist of what he said was that Giannis's statistical case is, like, insurmountable, but that, like, some voters may be swayed by the narrative of, like, how tough the Lakers season was, how LeBron yeah. kept, like, kept, it, like, kept them going, and, like, you know... I thought that was interesting that someone who I believe does have a vote was espousing this is what some voters might be thinking. And, yeah. you know, we all know how swayed by narrative the like NBA media voting apparatus can be at times. Media like, yeah, like, yeah, the media Dell. You know, <laughs> shouts to Derek Rose's 2011 MVP uh, yeah. campaign. <laughs> so, like, I'm just saying, like, people can win it. And, you know, that James Harden would say all of Steph Curry's MVPs that he won over him would also point out <laughs> that those were all narrative, too. Um, I, I disagree with that one a little bit less so than the Rose MVP. I thought it should have been White that year. Um, or But LeBron also had a case. But anyway. Or like, Nash's I, second MVP. Yeah, Nash's second MVP is actually, like, a particularly relevant one for Lakers fans uh, since that was a year that Kobe, you know, I think most of us would maintain should have won. Yeah. Uh, so, like, we've seen this happen before and like we even saw Shaq like not get unanimous MVP just because someone felt like Allen Iverson had had like a fun season you know with Philly and like he had less help or what you know whatever I don't know um so like we we've seen people get swayed by narrative before if Giannis wins I do I have some doubt that it will be unanimous I think there will be some people like that will end up voting for LeBron 
because they believe, yeah, you know, they talk themselves into the intangible storyline more. And I do think that there's some like merit to that. I, I think it, ultimately, if I had to vote, I would feel like a little bit of a homer if I voted for LeBron, just yeah. because obviously I've watched him closer this year. But when you look at what Giannis has done and like where that team would be without him, like, it, I think it's hard to make the case. I think it's a little bit harder to make the case for LeBron, especially, like, when you look at the side-by-side stats and all of that stuff. Like, Giannis having, I, I think, at least a less good second-best player, if not, like, le- there's some debate over who has less help overall. Um, but, like, yeah, I, I think it's probably Giannis. I think you're with me on that. But, yeah. like, I, I do think that there's a case to be made for LeBron. And, like, I would not be shocked to see some members of the media make it. I would be shocked to see him overall, like, win it. But I, I don't think it's going to be unanimous. Yeah, I, I don't think it'll be unanimous either. And, and, like, in all fairness to LeBron, he'll have the opportunity, at least, you know, we're hoping to prove that he's still the most valuable player in a playoff series, which – I think is all those Clippers and Bucks games proved, um, which is ultimately what led to this conversation being relevant again. Is is those two games? Uh, yeah, again, and I'm like, I think that for any one game, like I would still take LeBron. I just yeah. don't think that that's what the MVP race is. I think it's like the merits of like what you've done the whole season, and like I think for Giannis, like you know, I, I just think he's been better a little bit, uh, like on you know, it's not by a lot, but I yeah. just think it's a little, a little. bit. And, you know, maybe if LeBron had that last quarter of the season, he could have made up the distance. I think it's unfortunate that we're not going to get to watch him try, but I am just glad that we're getting basketball back. And we can yell about voting again. Like, this is, (laughs) you know, this is exciting. It's another return of basketball. We can all have stupid arguments (laughs) online. Oh, man. I, that reminds me, Anthony's going to be locked back on again. Yeah, he's going to be locked on more for sure. Uh, when we get back from the break, we're going to answer some of your questions. So you, you have that to look forward to. So we asked you guys to ask us some questions, and in return, we will answer them. I think I said if we didn't get questions, this would have been just us sitting in silence for half we an hour. We would have done so. that, absolutely. Yeah. Like Christian and I, I are in agreement <laughs> just to punish you as like the listenership for not sending us any questions. We would have just sat here. And I I even thought about putting a secret message at like 28 minutes, but it's not even worth that if we don't if we don't get questions. So yeah. thankfully we avoided that. Uh, and so with that being said, we will get to these questions. Uh, I butcher at names every time I do this. You so also I don't did think... not, I'm going to be honest with you. You did not sound that enthusiastic when you threw to the questions at the break. Like, I'm going to need you to amp it up like a little bit <laughs> and just like, well, like we got to thank people. Like, Hey, they, the listeners came through for us as the real MVP. Like the least you could do Like I'm excited for all of your questions. I'm sorry that Christian is not, oh but we all know God. that that's why I'm the people. Spare me. Um, the first question we have, sh- should I do ads? I don't know. I mean, go for it. I, I had to try last time, and like I had to read a lot more when we were doing okay, the Laker fan right, like stories right. one. I did not know we were one upping each other on our ability to read. No, it's okay. Um, I mean, it, you know, if you can't read, that's okay. You can admit that. This is a safe space. <laughs> our first question comes from our friend Zane, uh, and he asks, "Will KCP pass the torch to LeBron?" I'm gonna say yes. Wait, no, I feel like this is a trick question because that implies, I think I just admitted that KCP has the torch. Is that what he wanted? <laughs> I think so. Yeah, I, I, think if, Z- I think Zane just, like, just entrapped me. You know, honestly, respect to Zane. That you was, got, got. Nice. Yeah, uh, he got yeah, me. If, 
if we're talking in terms of three-point shooting, I sure hope so. Because uh, <laughs> KCP has been a great three-point shooter this year. Yeah, well, let, let's let's get that storyline going. KCP taught LeBron how to shoot over the break. <laughs> uh, our next question comes from our friend Bill at Bill uh, DeFilippo. I'm sorry if I butchered I believe it's that. Bill DeFilippo, but you worked DeFil- with him, so. <laughs> DeFilippo, uh, he asks, which of the potential eight seeds gives you the most concern, and how is your answer impacted by whether or not Zion is back and able to play in a first-round series? Um, we, ha- we have a few questions like this. So I want to say that, yes, I, I think the Pelicans are the team that worries me the most, not because I think they're going to beat the Lakers, but I think they will definitely be the team to wear them out the most just because of how young they are. I think Brandon Ingram is a problem, (laughs) to borrow a phrase from Twitter. Um, He's a bucket! (laughs) He is a bucket uh, on offense, and I think he's just going to give the Lakers a lot of problems. Obviously, Lonzo loves running the break, uh, and if you add Zion Williamson to that break, I think it is just a a handful for the Lakers. Again, still taking the Lakers in a seven game series. And I think that series ultimately wraps up in five games. Uh, But yeah, outside of them, maybe the trailblazers, but I mean, they don't have anybody on the team other than skinny mellow that can, can guard LeBron. So. Yeah, I think um, I'm actually with you on, again, provided Zion comes back to the bubble and he's in good health and like he's like, you know, I know that he was, uh, they said that he was dealing with family matter, but like he has to be tested and he's going out into the world during that time. So who knows what's going to happen. He's going to have to come back, go through quarantine again, like all of that miss a good chunk of this training camp part with, of it, with his team. So like, you know, those are big caveats, but he also missed basically the whole season and then came back and played like an all-star for, you know, the time that he did play. So Zion's pretty good. And we've seen that he doesn't necessarily need a lot of warm up to get there. So like, you know, I think that I'm in agreement with you also because of, you know, you briefly mentioned that they're young. Like I do think that there is going to be a, there is a little bit something to the idea that young teams will have something of an advantage here, just because like, even though there's less travel, like there's, also less time in between games and so like they may be able to recover a little bit more quickly and a team that plays fast like them like there is a chance that they could give the Lakers some issues but again I'm with you I don't think it goes longer than five games like I actually some somebody made this point on uh it was either in my mentions or the, or the silver screen and roll mentions today and I apologize for not having their app like handy but um like the the Blazers honestly like may uh may be worse than like the like than people are like giving them credit for I know Chuck said that like they could that he would pick them to beat the Lakers uh Danny Green said the Lakers consider the Blazers to be the biggest threat but like I think without Ariza and with nobody to guard LeBron other than Melo who just dropped weight and like I feel like that's really not going to help him with the whole yeah. like guarding LeBron thing and the Blazers just kind of getting bigger and not really have it still not really having a guy that can give Anthony Davis problems like I I don't know I really just don't see them as very much of a threat outside of you know you one game in that series you'd get a Dame explosion but like I I think the Lakers match up much better with them overall than they do 
with uh and they they also don't have like the ball pressure defenders to take advantage of the lakers like point guard issues whereas yeah. the pelicans they have drew holiday they have like josh hart isn't the best guard defender but like they have bodies that they can throw at the guards more so than the Pel- than the blazers do where that's really a weakness for them is def- defense in the backcourt um and, and i i think you know but wherever you stand i think we can all be in agreement that you know like uh, with apologies to memphis the biggest threat is not the grizzlies like yeah. I, I think the lakers are going to be doing like uh you know like jumps for joy if uh if, if things kind of stay in shock and the grizzlies end up being their opponent in the first round i think the only opponent that you could want for them went more than that at this point are the kings somehow hilariously falling their way into the playoffs or uh like the suns who are yes like the suns are actually in the bubble like i had to i had to google and double check that the other day but yes they are out there so you know and and the spurs oh god the spurs are out there yeah has anyone even talked to that has there been any media from the spurs out there at all i think uh somebody posted a video of DeRozan dunking or something okay yeah because i genuinely (laughs) forgot they were out there yeah i that is the best case scenario because um not only is LaMarcus out, but they just announced Trey Lyles isn't going to be in the bubble anymore. So, yeah. I was really worried about him in a potential playoff match. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a <laughs> you know, big sigh of relief for the Lakers there. Yeah, I think to your point about the Blazers, it really just boils down to like whatever advantage Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum have in the backcourt with their talent. LeBron James and Anthony cancel that out, plus then some, just because they're more talented at their respective positions than than Dame and CJ McCollum are. So, so yeah, I think to sum this up, I think we're in agreement that it's Pelicans if Zion is back and everything is good. It's Blazers yeah. if not. Yes. Yeah. Although, I don't know. the The Kings were playing really well before the break christian like, like their whole roster is either has coronavirus yeah. or accidentally <laughs> or keeps walking out yes. of the bubble or is injured like yeah. i don't but know I assume just... assuming full health like yeah. we're well, doing assuming with the that Pelicans. they understand where the nba is allowing them to walk yes. or not like you know <laughs> um the second question we have comes from uh frustrated kobe uh at joseph tatool uh, what are the deciding factors, so to speak, that will enable the Lakers to win it all this year? I imagine Kuz production is one of them. Yes, I think <laughs> I can confirm if Kuzma plays well, the Lakers will have a better chance of uh, making it pretty far. Defense is the other big one because, as I've mentioned before, I think KCP has had a down defensive year overall, and who knows what Alex Caruso is going to do with more playing time and if Dion waiters or jr smith can offer anything on that end uh so yeah i think we're kuzma. both optimistic they can we just don't know like yeah. it's been so long yeah so kuzma and defense are my two biggest ones yeah i think um you know you know you mentioned Dion and jr like i think figuring out some kind of solution for like this you know rondo bradley like filling those minutes with capable play and figuring out other lineups that work i, I think for me that's the biggest thing honestly right now is like just figuring out what combinations are you going to go to now to like play in place of those guys because those guys were part of a lot of the Lakers most used lineups and so like they're gonna have to figure out something in that respect as well as like how do they run things like like what adjustments do they make in terms of how they get into their offense how they play defense without those guys uh and like to me though that's like I think the biggest question 
facing this team you know yeah i i I think what's going to be what's going to be hilarious is like i i think i think what we might see is if ku starts playing too well without rondo and like the the lakers actually start to look better like i think we may see lebron stealth tank a little bit just so that like frank can't point to like be like look how much better we were while he was out like we we can't play him when he comes yeah. back and <laughs> but I, I think we may see lebron like accidentally like throw a couple passes off kuz's hands or something like that like and if there's any player skilled enough to do that it is lebron james oh like, absolutely lebron could get it like to where it's like, like he knows like you know calculated in his brain it's like just two inches beyond kuzma's like catch radius it's almost like like faking somebody's murder it's yeah. like lebron is <laughs> lebron is gonna sabotage somebody sees it no i i um i mean jokes aside i do agree that that second unit is, is where it gets really interesting for me especially because Marquise morris as far as we know is not in the bubble yet he is not in the bubble yet he it, like and who who knows when and if he's going to get there he was on the lakers finalized roster that got released today right. by the nba so like they are holding out hope that he will be there Beyond that, I think the ones we can lock in are Caruso, Kuzma, and Dwight. Beyond that, I think those two spots are wide open. I think Dion Waiters will probably get an extended look because of his ball handling ability. But I think if you look at videos from their scrimmages, Quinn Cook is, has also taken a bigger role in in those at least scrimmage units and with the experience he has in the postseason and the amount of time he's had on the team compared to JR and Dion, if, you know, if only for political reasons, I think he may get more playing time in, in the backcourt than Dion and JR initially. But like I said, we, we don't know at this point. Yeah. I mean, I, I think what we do need to do is we all need to make a promise that we're not going to overreact to like, like cook playing a lot of minutes in like the scrimmage games, or maybe even the first couple seeding games. Like I do really think that because of the, the factors that you mentioned, he's going to be given an opportunity to earn like these minutes, just because he's been here. Like he's been committed the whole year. He's like everybody's favorite teammate. Like I, I think they're going to give him a real chance to, Go. And, like, you know, he does have some skills that fit pretty well with LeBron and AD, like, at least in closing lineups and stuff like that, where you just want shooters around those guys. Like, I think there's an argument to me. I, I know Jazz and Anthony were, uh, you know, trashing him on yesterday's show, but, like, I think there's an argument to be made for Cook's skill set in certain lineups. Yeah, I don't know if I can go there. I don't know. I You're think... the one that was calling him, like, a supreme playmaker on, like, our last <laughs> couple podcasts, so. no the exact i forgot he was on the team two podcasts ago so well yeah but then you called him a playmaker so he's a ball handler if if nothing else he just he can't make an entry pass um our friend kian asks what do you expect from the young guys taylor horton tucker kaycock Giannis's brother um and to be clear <laughs> I love that he's just known as Giannis's brother <laughs> to be clear it's comma and Giannis's brother not THT, THT Kaycock, Giannis's brother. Giannis yeah. does not have a brother. Unless there's THT something Kaycock. about like uh, about Kaycock that we're not aware of. Like maybe <laughs> he actually is Giannis's brother, you know? Like like he does have like a really like pretty solid NBA physique. You know, I, I would not be shocked to find out. Um, and his, his stat line 
reflects and on to Dukumpo more than Kostas has in the G League. Ooh, burn. I mean, God. yeah, that was, that was, I mean, <laughs> it's hard to argue. Um, but yeah, so like, I don't know what, what Thanasis can really bring to the Lakers, like just in terms of, you know, because he's not on the team. <laughs> but uh, uh, no, I'm assuming they're probably talking about Kostas, although that would be funny if they wanted an in depth Thanasis uh, preview on uh, Silver Screen and Roll. But, you know, we'll, I we'll do, do it. Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly uh, am not even aware of what position he plays. So, like, I'm not sure yes. that I can help there. I'm pretty sure it's point guard. But, uh, I yeah, I cannot help with uh, your Thanasis scouting report. I barely know who knew who Costas uh, was before he joined the Lakers. I just knew they were both in the league. Uh, Whatever helps the cause, if yeah. we're being honest. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, like, you know, honestly, I don't expect much from any of them. Like, I think, to me... Devonte is probably the one that is the most primed to be able to make an impact just because the Lakers have the least depth at the big man position. I think he's more ready to play and like more plug and play than Costas is. And like, you know, we've at least seen like that he can rebound and that he can like, you know, he's a somewhat switchable defender. So like those are skills where if they need someone like that, where he could be plugged in. Like, uh, but again, I don't expect any of these guys to play a super significant role because I think that it would require more injuries before the Lakers got to the point in the bench where any of them are playing significantly like you know we talk about the Lakers guard issues and you know maybe Taylor comes in and just kills it in Orlando in the seeding games when he is given his opportunity and he forces his way into that conversation of like where do the Lakers get the rest of their ball handling from but until he does that it's hard for me to see him playing over any of the guards that they have right now at least when it matters and Costas is still so raw that like I, you know I, I just can't see them going to him outside of desperate or like in the seeding games when they're just like giving people minutes just to kind of get them ready you put a lot more thought into that answer than than i am going to uh because my short answer is nothing <laughs> and my long answer is nothing much uh i think to your point about kaycock i think he can help but similar to the way that like guys like thomas robinson and Tark black helped the lakers it's like when you need that boost of energy off the bench, things just are kind of stagnant. I think he's an energy guy you bring in. He'll he's a lob threat because he's really athletic. Um, yeah. has shown potential to defend multiple positions and uh is a really, really like talented rebounder. Like I know yes. we don't think about rebounding as a skill, but man, I was very low on him as a prospect going into this season, but um his rebounding is no joke. No, so, yeah, he he's incre- he's been incredible in the G League in terms of like finding spaces to get in there and like he just has like a real nose for the ball in terms of figuring out where it's going to come off and like getting after it, like pretty good instincts. So yeah, beyond beyond that, uh, I know Taylor was was running. I I think he honestly might have been playing the three, which makes sense given his just size. insane wingspan yeah. and uh, hand size. But unless Jr. is just awful and they don't think Kyle Kuzma can play the three I do not see a scenario where he plays any time given his shooting because with Caruso with no disrespect to the king but with Caruso shooting and Talon shooting in that second unit it's almost as bad is having Rondo back in the in the second unit just because honestly they're... it might arguably be what can he shoot at all like I, no. I you know no, it, no 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 yeah so yeah. like it, it might honestly be worse like with all due him respect and... to you know our thick king uh, of the G League <laughs> but like 
Yeah, like, like Taylor, I, I think all of them are to some degree interesting prospects, but I just don't think any of them are like quite there yet. No, absolutely not. Especially like Taylor and Costas, um, because I wrote there previously on for silverscreenandroll.com. Uh, I did some digging on their shooting stats and anything that isn't a layup or a dunk is is just bad. I think they're both shooting under 25% on their jump shots, which is really bad. Um, yeah, THT has like incredible highlights to watch, but it's just like yeah. if you watch the games, there are still moments where he looks lost. There's like he, he's 19, you know, like yeah. that's uh, like, or he just turned 20 19. Now. He just turned 19. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Cause he's one of the youngest players in the league. So yeah. like, yeah, I mean, like he's a young guy, you know, like he, he might figure it out at some point, but I, I just don't think that it's fair to expect necessarily like a breakout in Orlando. I would love to be proven wrong though, because Same. like I'm excited to watch him at least get some run during the seeding round games. Um, so our next question comes from at two weeks with pay. He asks, what's your ideal crunch time five closing lineup? Uh, and he says, as an aside, do you think Vogel kind of sticks with the hot hand philosophy in the playoffs? given that he mentioned streamlining their game planning strategies over the break. Great question. Um, and to, so to elaborate on, on that last part, Frank has said in watching film over the break, he has added and eliminated things from his game plan, which given how much time they have before the season starts back up again, I don't know if adding is something they want to do uh, unless they're all just really comfortable in the system to where, they can pick it back up as soon as, as they get back. But um, the eliminating things caught my attention because I think Frank, when this all started, said something about when the season is in full swing, you really don't have time to watch games back. Like, yeah, you, you go over the key parts of the film when the matchups come back again. But as soon as, as soon as the final whistle blows on one game, you're preparing for the next game. And for him to be able to watch games all the way through, see which units were playing well, just from an energy standpoint, not, not even looking at, you know, analytics or, you know, going based off of whatever they had showed prior to that. I think that is a, is a really exciting aspect of, of the break they've been on. But uh, yeah, as far as crunch time fives, I think there are a few ways you can go and I'm interested to hear what you have to say, Harrison. Yeah, so I think, you know, I put some level of thought into this. And I think for me, it would be like less a specific five and more like, you know, like a general principle of like, I think you want AD and like, we're talking like we, the, the premise is five minutes of a close game. Yeah. Or yeah, something like that. Did they specify? Well, no. So the crunch time five, you just meant five players. Oh, okay. So yeah. yeah. Okay, you know, no, I just wasn't sure if there was a minutes restriction, but like, so if, if we're coming down, we're talking, you know, let, let's say crunch time, we're talking five minutes, you know, so, something like yeah. that around here. I'd so it's a fair. lineup that you wouldn't necessarily have to worry as much about like physical wear and tear, getting tired, whatever. Like you're just throwing out what it, whoever you think is the best fitting five for what you need. For me, I think that like, you know, as good as Dwight Howard and like, uh, like JaVale McGee have been in their various roles this year, for me, I think that means putting, uh, like Anthony Davis at the five although like you know I, I think I could hear arguments the other way with given how Dwight's played at times but like I think for the Lakers to be at their best I think it's Anthony Davis at the five at least in these types of lineups and then yeah. I think you put LeBron in at the four uh and then I you know I like 
Danny Green, although this was, an, uh, this was like a swing spot in my lineup where either if you want to play big, then you put Dwight in here and you have him play center and then shift LeBron and AD down. But if you want to play small, then you put in Green. And then I want Caruso, I think, is the two guard because, like, he gives you some defense. We've seen how well that he fits with uh, LeBron and AD. And then – or I guess as one of the guards because, you know, like this is a little bit of a wonky lineup and that LeBron will probably be the ball handler no matter what. Uh, and then for that final guard spot, like Cook or JR, whoever is shooting better. Like I just think that you want to get – like you want to go small and get as much shooting around LeBron and AD as possible. And I think that Green gives you that. I, Caruso doesn't really give you that, but he's such a good ball mover and like helps out in other ways that I'd at least as of right now like to see him in that unit and also for the defense that he gives you and switchability. Uh, and then like Cook or JR, whoever's shooting better. Yeah. I think AD definitely needs to be closing at center. Um, if for no other reason than the Lakers need a floor space, like a true floor spacer at the four when they're closing games. Um, so my closing lineup would be locks Maybe you can sure. guard five. So like, it's not like, like he doesn't want to play five all the time, but like, yeah. it's not even, you're not even playing undersized really. Like he can yeah. guard like big five and what big fives are in closing lineups anyway. Like, like he'd be totally fine there. You're barely playing small. You're just getting the benefits of it. Yeah. So I'd put 80 at the five LeBron at the three Danny green at the two. And then honestly, whoever's shooting better between KCP and Caruso, you put at that one spot. Uh, and then the four spot is, is Jared Dudley and Kyle, or sorry, Marquise Morris and Kyle Kuzma to me. Like, and so I pulled up some lineup stats while you were talking and the five man lineup of KCP, Danny green, Anthony Davis, Kyle Kuzma, and LeBron James has posted a net rating of 23.3 in the 43 minutes they played together, which is encouraging. Um, and the Still, other one 43 that, minutes is not a ton, but yeah. yeah, I mean, that's something. This is all small sample yeah, size. It's, it's worked in the spurts they've used it. So that's, that is good and interesting to know. And the other one is uh, Caruso Green, LeBron, Kuzma, and AD, and they posted a net rating of 28.5 in the seven minutes they played together, which, you know, talk about small sample size, but when you're talking crunch time, you are talking like <laughs> seven you know, minutes. May, yeah, I mean, maybe I need to respect Kuz a little bit more and like throw him in there. But, uh, like, you know, I, I like the general principle for five that I, I think I threw out. Yeah, like like I said, it, it really is, it boils down to three-point shooting, which is, which is why I think uh, you threw Cook and JR in there because, again, yeah. It's uh, it really is gonna boil, especially on a LeBron James team. It really just boils down to who's making. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, like, pass. like, are they really not gonna run like a LeBron James, Anthony Davis pick and roll like for yeah. the most part down the stretch and attack out of that? Like, I, I feel like, like, you know, we're kind of like over, we're kind of outsmarting ourselves. Like at some point, if you know, we're going like if you're going away from that. Uh, our next question comes from um, Mr. Betches. I don't know. Uh, who do you have uh, as the final seven to eight man playoff rotation? Ooh, all right. I don't think it's that simple just to preface it with that. Yeah, okay. So LeBron, AD, uh, KCP, Danny Green, Alex Caruso. So that's five. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking up and down the roster here. Um, Almost just said Avery. I think Dwight Howard for sure. JaVale McGee. And then, like, I think probably right now, Kuzma, 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would replace one of JaVale or Dwight with Markeith, but otherwise I'm with you. But like at that point, I think we're talking about a nine-man rotation. Like I can't see either of those guys getting completely cut from like, you know, I don't think the Lakers are going to go to eight men, at least not for most games. Like they they have enough guys here who do different things that like I can't see them going to eight. Like I could see them going to nine, but probably not eight. Yeah, I th- I think they need everyone on the roster. Yeah, like they're going to be this is such a puzzle right now because of all of like the because of the pieces that they're missing and the minutes they have to fill. Like I honestly at least initially I can't see them going less than 10. Yeah. I I don't either. Uh, I And I'm talking they'll... playoffs. Like seeding round games they're going to play everyone. Um but like I think even in the postseason they'll probably go more than 10. Yeah. You might be right. They have a lot of holes to fill. Um which matchups demand AD to play the five? Uh, and for one possession, who is the better wing defender, J.R. Caruso? That comes from at Braun Tiger. Uh, I'm going to start with the last question first. Yeah, go ahead. I, I think Caruso's probably, at, like, far and away the better wing defender, even as a guard. Yeah. Um, if we're talking about the J.R. Smith from two years ago, which is asking a lot, uh, I think – even then, Caruso's probably a better defender. Uh, but, you know, who knows? We'll see. If, if JR can even play a lick of defense, I think he enters the conversation as, as like, getting big minutes at the three. Yes. I think, I think that's, like, you know, I, I think that is definitely something that could happen. It's just been so long since we've seen him. Like, I don't know where his best position is now and, like, how much he can defend and all this stuff. Like, like at some point, like, we're just – you know, we're, it's all theoretical with him because he's been gone for so long. Um, to, to the other question, I, I don't know if you disagree with me, but looking at the standings of the teams that will make the playoffs, like I think in terms of like Anthony Davis needs to play the five at various points during the game, I think for me, and I don't know if you did, let me know if you disagree. I think for me right now, that's the Clippers, that is the Rockets and that is probably the Mavericks although like I mean the Lakers playing the Mavericks at any point is pretty unlikely um yeah but like I think those are the three teams where he would have to I think at various points like uh these other teams like could it give you an advantage at times yes but like would you have to no because some of their best players are big and so like you could probably get away with having Dwight there in closing lineups you in some of these cases you may even have an advantage going big against these teams but like I think the Clippers and the Rockets especially present so many matchup problems with their various small ball lineups that like the Lakers probably would have to play down a little bit and play some small ball to match up with those teams at times I think the answer to that question is any team that has a center that can make three-pointers at a decent clip so I throw the Bucks in there although oh yeah I was just thinking West but yes you're right I think with like with Brooke obviously that's a big problem uh and I fully expect the Lakers to go full AD in that in that scenario but uh luckily the what was that? I was I was just gonna say I, I think the Lakers will have Dwight defend Brook some. Like Dwight can move decent. Like Dwight can keep yeah. up with Brook Lopez on the perimeter. Like yeah, you know what I mean. Like this iteration of Dwight, sure. Yeah. Um, and the Raptors too. The Raptors have some guys that can um, that can shoot. Surge, uh, most notably. 
but because uh, I was I was listening to uh, Zach Lozman doing his great like what happened like yeah. where where were we podcast series and I was listening to his one on the Bucks and I guess like down the stretch of the season the the Bucks were having Brooke Lopez go and post up smaller guys that were defending him and like not that Anthony Davis could not defend a Brooke Lopez post up he is obviously capable of that I just don't yeah. know if that's like the best usage of his efforts throughout an entire series and like the wear and tear that's that fair. that would take like type of stuff. Would you put AD on Joel Embiid, or or would you prefer Dwight Howard or JaVale McGee taking that matchup? I think I would – I mean, out of the guys that I would prefer, especially if I'm Vogel and, like, I know that AD does not want to play five more than he has to, like, I would definitely put Dwight on him, yeah. like, the majority. And I think the Lakers – I believe they had some success with that when they played against the Sixers uh, the first time, right? Because I, I believe they won the first time. And yeah, then, the second time was all Yeah, bad. I mean, the second time was – that was not a good <laughs> game. Um, and, you know, like, hey, uh, like, games like that happen over the course of the regular season. Um you know, I think, like, AD could defend Embiid, but I believe Embiid has given AD problems going back to New Orleans, or is that the other way around? I'm, like, trying – I know there was a narrative about the two of them. Yeah, I, I couldn't tell you. I just know Embiid is a very strong and talented basketball yeah. player. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I honestly don't see the Sixers getting to the finals, but, like, that, that is another one where, like, you might want a bigger body to throw – because you definitely don't want AD defending Embiid for the majority of the game by any means. Yeah. Uh, our next question uh, comes from at Cinco de underscore Mayo. Uh, why is it always Team X can upset the Lakers in the first round? No other contenders get this treatment. No one mentions the Bucks or Clippers having tough first round matchups or really anybody else. The Bucks, I think, are a special case because the <laughs> yeah, because the East garbage. sucks. Yeah, <laughs> so I think that's why um, the Bucks are going to be playing because I think we're all assuming that the Magic will probably move up because they're basically tied with the Nets. Uh, the Bucks are going to be playing either the Nets or Wizards, like in their first round matchup, and that series might not go four games. Yeah. Like just that, like those teams genuinely may have to forfeit at the rate of attrition that they're like having in terms of guys like signing with them and leaving got like all this stuff like you know like so that's why nobody's talking about the bucks it's you don't believe in jamal crawford's ability to get past Giannis? he scored 50 points in his last game nothing would be funnier than jamal crawford like at, like genuinely stealing a game from the bucks like what if it was game one and people were like oh are the bucks like are the bucks ready for the playoffs are they ready for the bright like i want this so bad now uh, at that point rob goes directly to Giannis's room and go Hey, buddy. I know it was a rough night. Don't worry. Just I just one want more you to year. know we'll never let that happen to you. Yeah. <laughs> we'll sign Jamal so that he doesn't get to do that to you ever again. Um, yeah. And like, but yeah, I, I mean, so that's why you're not hearing about it. I think with the Clippers, it's like, I mean, to be honest, like it's because nobody cares about the Clippers. There's a reason, like, to yeah. take you all into how the sausage is made. Like, this is not how we determine what we are going to cover as a Lakers-centric site. But for national debate shows and like these people who are debating, like, could you upset the Lakers in the first round? Like, that's because they know that people want to hear Lakers talk. They don't really want to hear Clippers talk. And so, yeah. like, that's the reason for that. And it's also because nobody paid attention to the Mavs this year, evidently. So, like, the Mavs are good. And, like, I don't think that they'll upset the Clippers, but they're definitely more threatening than any of the Lakers' perspective first-round playoff opponents, I feel like. Unless, yeah. like, I guess, other than maybe, like, a firing on all cylinders New Orleans team, you could make the argument. But Dallas is really good. And, like, you know, but the reason you don't hear that talked about is because people don't care about the Clippers. Like, that's just – that's not something that – 
people are tuning in to first take to hear thoughts on unless they're having like chemistry problems or something. Our next question, I'm going to save for later out of respect for you. And maybe we just won't get to it um, <laughs> out of respect for your feelings. But uh, there so we're going to skip to the next question from at Prince on, LB, on LBC. Uh, how many Lakers do you anticipate anticipate being an all caps bucket during this playoff run all right well so you already all got to hear how i pronounced that earlier in this episode <laughs> so i'm not going to scream it again because i realized i did that right into your ears and i apologize oh no no no! i have you turned all the way down like what i'm doing is reading your lips no no no, not recording. you like oh. uh not you uh i meant oh, like yeah our, screw our me listeners. yeah <laughs> i don't care about you um I, I meant our listeners but uh like you know so we're asking which laker like did people forget as a bucket i honestly like i should honestly do this in the lead up to a season to the season just every day until their first game i should tweet that a different player on the team used to be a bucket but i also don't feel like setting my mentions on fire that badly with lakers fans who are not in on the bit and are like look what do you mean LeBron was a bucket like LeBron is a bucket he's still really good like you know because people did not really get the irony in the people forget Cavs LeBron was a bucket so I'm not confident that they're gonna like everyone's gonna grasp that for the Lakers one so I probably won't do that but Twitter like, not grasping something yeah not grasping nuance no I mean you know like I, I've had my, my whole like mentions the last 24 hours has been LeBron versus Curry stands anti-vaxxers and QAnon believers so you know <laughs> not enjoying Twitter right now and just like I, I'm just wondering why we even made this website to be honest but I think in terms of players on the Lakers that are a bucket like I mean the answer is all of them like if we're just looking you know like depending on the context like if we're talking you know and we're using the extremely low bar that I have set on my Twitter account of someone being able to score at least literally one basket like all of these guys are a bucket, you know, like I might like just to mess with everyone, like tweet, people forget Costa Sedetacumpo was a, was a bucket tomorrow. Like, and just <laughs> like, see if I can find a couple clips of like him, like hitting a shot that is not a dunk and like throw that out there and just like watch the reaction pour in. But yeah, I mean, all, all the Lakers, like if, if any of I'm confident saying if any of the Lakers went and that nothing pisses off the people who don't get the bit more than when you respond, like if they went, yeah, but could you beat them one-on-one? -on -one? Like, because I will ironically reply with that sometimes when they're like, what do you mean? Like that, that guy's not a bucket. He's like, he only averages 12 points. I'm like, yeah, but could you stop him one-on-one? -on -one? That's my favorite response, like out of all of them. Short, like shortly ahead of uh, of when they ask who, and I say just the kids. The kids forget. <laughs> if I had played in my community league just a little bit longer, I would have been able to ask or answer the question. But could you take Lonzo one on one? The answer would have been a resounding no, but, but I would have at least been able to, to answer it. it. Yeah. Yes, with confidence. There's actually video of LeVar Ball playing in that same gym that I played at. In some oh, way. is that the, the, the highlight mix of him? Like yes, where he's like, that, that's your our, home gym? It's our tier one community gym, yes. Oh, that's awesome. I didn't know that. That's like a fun behind the scenes. Mia and I were watching that highlight video and dying because she has, my fiance has just discovered basketball through me uh, and like over the last year has progressively gotten more into it uh, since I guess, I guess since she realized she was going to be with me and this was my job and she might as well like show an interest in it. Um, but like I've been introducing her to aspect, like the aspects that I think will interest her most. And so I obviously started with LeVar Ball. 
uh, who she <laughs> finds very entertaining and will imitate now. It's only barely offensive. Um, and <laughs> like, you know, yeah. So like, like we were watching his highlight mix the other day and also his like all of his first take appearances, which are still hysterical. Yeah, and it's, it's his his um, God, why can't oh his Whitlock comment still kills me every time it comes on my timeline. Oh yeah, but about, like, what, like what is he like? I like I don't want him to talk to me about anything but snacks. Yeah, <laughs> kills. He me. said snacks like I say bucket. Yeah, it it really was. He he said the only thing Whitlock should be given his opinion on is snacks. <laughs> It's a, I don't know it's if I comedic timing. No, I like I love Lavar, and like I think that ult- I, I think he is someone with a good heart who is like mostly in on the joke a lot of the time, and yeah. like like plays it up a little bit, and like I, I find him very entertaining, especially now that I don't have to write about him. And absolutely, when I tell you that he is like just a younger carbon copy of his father, like I, I'm I'm being serious. Like uh, his, uh, <laughs> I think I've told this story on the podcast before, but his dad sat next to me at a couple Laker games when Lonzo was still here, and it was just like an older Lavar. Uh, and you know, it was uh, you know that family cracks me up. I think I've told this story before too, but the first time I went to go see Lonzo play, I thought Lonzo's grandpa was his dad because he was sitting sidelines and being like really loud. <laughs> And then there was somebody else being really loud. I was like, oh, man, I feel so bad for Alonzo. I was with my friend Craig. And I was like, I feel so bad for Alonzo. Like, he has, like, a loud dad and, like, an obnoxious older brother who probably just, like, is living off of his his brother's basketball success. And my friend Craig goes, oh, that guy? No, that's his dad. And I'm just like, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh but I mean, I guess that's a compliment to Lavar. He looks really good for his age, especially now. He dropped a ton of weight as soon as he found out he was going to be in the national spotlight. Yeah, no, he he's a good looking dude. Good, good for him. Um, we've arrived to our last question, Harrison, uh, and it comes from your fiance, and she wants to know why Matisse Thybul is the cutest player ever. I I want to preface this with. I agree. He's pretty good looking. Cutest player ever is a stretch. I'm not getting roped into like rating the like the most good looking basketball oh, players with you again. Like I know I that you want to have this discussion again. Yes. But okay. But if we're talking just like cutest, sure. But most attractive, Sergi Baca and Rick Fox would like a word, sir. Or ma'am, I, I think, because you're <laughs> my fiance yes. in this case. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't really, I mean, to be honest, I don't really have an answer to that. I don't understand why my experience on Twitter gets worse every day. I, you know, honestly, like it was one thing when she was like jokingly like thirsting after Alex Caruso, like I could, I could get, I could get with it because, you know, like part of my brand has been playing up Alex Caruso oh. and his stuff until like everybody was doing that. And then I had to kind of move away from it because Look at you know, the monster you created. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and so like, but now it's like, she's changing her wallpaper to like a Sixers player and constantly trying to get me to watch his YouTube videos and telling me how cute They're he good. is all the time. They're good. Like, you know, like I'm, we're supposed to be getting married soon. And like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm secure in myself, but like, I can't compete with that <laughs> at the same time. So I don't I know. Confirm. I have people tweeting at me that I'm lucky that like people can't go to the bubble yet. It's just like, it's cyberbullying, you know, <laughs> like, 
<laughs> and like, I don't have to put up with this and it's uncalled for it. Honestly, I would like an apology from her for like, you know, she could have, she could have talked to me about this in private, but instead she had to make the whole internet laugh at me again. This is like worse than when like my mom, like, you know, I accidentally tweeted that my mom thought that Pete's voice was hot. <laughs> I, yeah, you cannot compete with real life Miles Morales which is what Matisse Thybulle reminds me of. And no, he I mean, like, hey, he's a, he's a good looking guy. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and break down why he's the cutest player in the <laughs> NBA or something, but like, you know, like he, he's certainly and, better looking than me. Like that's a very low bar, but like. He has, oh, well, okay, hold on. What we're not going to be doing is being self-deprecating on this podcast, okay? Not on our show, sir. All right, well, now I just need everybody to tweet compliments at me just to, like, you know, help me feel better. So if you listen around this long, like, that's, that's what we're asking you to do next. You saved us with the mailbag, and now I just need you to, like, either tweet at me why I'm good looking or, like, tweet at Mia that, you know, like, tweet, uh, like, flaws about Tybal at, uh, at my fiancé, please. Just, like, bully her use, into stopping to doing this. Use the hashtag Harrison is hot, capital I. <laughs> We are not asking people to do that. That feels like a recipe for uh, us to both get fired. But you asked for it. So, you know, I'm definitely throwing you under the bus. Just pictures of giraffes of, like, their favorite. Their oh, favorite this is going to backfire so bad, I just realized. <laughs> awesome. Uh, well, that's our show, unless you uh, you have any. No, I'm done, Christian. I, I, got, I got nothing else. <laughs> this, is, this is it for me today. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. And uh, we can... It, encourage you all to continue to be active on social media particularly as it pertains to that last part of the podcast uh and i will be on vacation for the next week so harrison uh enjoy yourself enjoy this time away from me especially after um this podcast i'm sure you will yeah no i'm definitely ready for a break from you so thanks Kristen. <laughs> thanks everybody we'll, we'll talk to you next week